also like how your junior high was that, and my junior high was Oregon yeah. Trail. <laughs> that Ever, everyone died of dysentery. Yes, yeah. it was a yeah. different issue. Yeah. Oh look, yeah. a snake! Couple, you still died of dysentery. <laughs> couple centuries later. <laughs> Beatitudes worldwide. That's right, because we've got, I think, one listener in Australia, one in, in France. I mean, they're starting to pop up Paul, all over Paul, I got the an place. email. Two confirmed in Australia. Yes, two confirmed. All right, do I hear three? No. Welcome to the Beatitudes. Uh, this is a podcast for Christian men seeking to grow in holiness, as well as to walk together towards that goal while growing in, in humor with one another, because we take the faith seriously, but not ourselves. My name is Paul Kolker, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Nicholas Besner. What's going on, everybody? Oh, the dramatic pregnant pause. And uh, Jeffrey Scheffelbein. I feel like we're one of those things where it starts in one country and somebody gets on an airplane and then it spreads in all that other country. Then it goes to the next one. And every time I turn on the news, we're just spreading. So, so <laughs> virus in your ideal scenario. It's like that video we... game we used to play in junior high. <laughs> Oregon Trail? It was called... Pandemic. No, oh, oh, I, got, yeah. I don't think I can say that on yeah. YouTube. We beep, just beep, beep, got de- demonetized. I also like how your junior high was that, and my junior high was Oregon yeah. Trail. <laughs> that. Ever, everyone died of dysentery. Yes. Yeah. It was a yeah. different issue. Yeah. Oh, look, yeah. a snake. Couple, you still died of dysentery. <laughs> couple centuries later. <laughs> Woo. All right. And we're joined again on this fun, tabulous Friday bonus episode by Chad. Simpson. I almost said Stimson because you put it in my head the wrong way. Dang it, Jeff. There's nothing reverse about this one, though. Chad Simpson. That's right. He's back, and he's talking about all things family life now because last, uh, well, Monday on the last episode, we got to talk to him about being an oblate. 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 I said it wrong because I think the Latin word is oblatio, though, right? I believe, but you've got to go with Jeff's oblade, oblada. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you're going to... Or did it say obladi? Maybe I just reversed that. And Nobody now you'll knows. Never get it right. Yeah. yeah. Nobody actually knows. But it's, life goes on. So. Okay. Uh, la la la. <laughs> so, so yeah, we got to hear all about religious life from the standpoint of of a layperson approaching a basically a third order type uh, uh, process where you're kind of coming in from the outside, not becoming a full fledged monk, but getting to getting to uh, profess your life as as an offering and then. Praying uh, regularly. An excuse you to drink, g- drink half a bottle of wine a day, well, yes, according we, to the rule. And you still get to wear hoodies, which are totally oh, comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, all the I perks. Lo- I love this. <laughs> no, it's great. Sign me up. But but so tell us about your life, though. Just outside of, I mean, that's that's such an awesome journey to to offer yourself in prayer. But what what is just kind of the normal Chad life? The uh, the the more earthly side of things, if you the will. The Chad dad, if you will. The Chad dad. Wow, Chad dad. Yeah. It, it's my life is uh I mean it is it is a roller coaster, but I I, I make it that way. Um, <laughs> Self inflicted. Oh totally, totally. It wouldn't be fun if it if it wasn't. Um yeah, so as I mentioned on the other episode, I'm a Catholic convert and over the years I I try to let my faith permeate all aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. I'm a very uh, passionate person. Um when when I do things. I try to give them my all, give them my best. Um, but I also, I'm a lifelong learner. So anything I do, my, my kids hate it because, you know, I'm the dad who would take, you know, like a, a 
Legos and turn it into some type of lesson, right? So every, <laughs> everything's like, well, we could, you know, you know, I'm like um, uh, Cliff Clavin, you know, as a dad who's just trying to instill knowledge because I seek knowledge so much. And then I try to share with everybody and they look at me like, is there somebody else in the room that I could be talking to instead of this guy? Is that the guy from Cheers? Yes, it's the guy Cliff Clavin. Oh, uh, I got one. The, the guy from Cheers. Yes. So uh, the he was a knowledge guy. He just had like ridiculous facts and knowledge that he was spewing out at the bar. Yes, most of it very useless. Uh, <laughs> but you know that that's me. So I'm kind of like I I love learning, um, and then I love passing that information on I'm, I'm a sales leader that's my daily job and mm. and i try to you know well here's what i did back 30 years ago when i started and you know some of that doesn't really resonate today so i i have learned to help promote younger people and and i can get in their ear and have them get in somebody else's ear um but uh yeah i'm a father of three been married to my wife who brought me into the church in 2003 we got married in 2000 met in college in 1996 and uh native of kentucky and yeah. moved to dallas in 2003 via chicago which is where my wife's from and uh so we're blessed with three children 20 17 and 12 and they've all been homeschooled Boys, girls, life. what do you got mixed? Um, we have girl, boy, girl, which is an interesting dynamic because they're spread out in, in age, and this wasn't by design. We, we've we always had uh, fertility issues, sure. and, you know, God gave us three, and we're very blessed to have sure. three. But when you have girl, three years boy, six years girl, it's like having three children that are only children, and they, they, don't, <laughs> wow. they don't necessarily interact too much. They're not like yours, Jeff, where they're all kind of stacked up. <laughs> Nobody um, mathematically knows how I did it. Um, <laughs> Every 11 months. <laughs> Every time. Pull out the 10-year calendar again. How do you have six again? Irish <laughs> twins? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. Okay. You rate, let's just say you raised three kids together and separate. What advice do you have for this vocation of fatherhood? Like, what what would you say to somebody? Let's take me for a second. What advice do you have? Mine haven't crested the double digits yet. My oldest is nine, and there's 22 of them below that. <laughs> Close. Actually, my blood just boiled when I said that. Like, is that true? <laughs> you're, you're one of those rabbits that Pope Francis talks about? I literally did. <laughs> I literally had a neighbor that told me that they understand why there's so many rabbits in my yard. And let's just leave it at that. I mean, it was like a weird kind of reverse compliment. Yeah, they found one of their own. <laughs> what a advice jab, do you but yeah. not. Yeah, the advice is of. if you go back to the last show, maybe the advice first is forgive me. What's the next advice after <laughs> yeah. that? Forgive me. Yeah. Um, I would say. It, it, this sounds, some people think, I think in terms of eternity, hopefully, and, you know, wanting wanting to spend eternity with God. And as a as a parent, I feel like, you know, we have mul- multiple hats that we wear, right? We can, you can treat a child almost like a pet in certain respects. You can say, well, they're, they're, they have a shelter, they have food, they have clothing, they have access to health care. Um, you can be a friend to them. You can be a mentor to them. But ultimately, um, we we can't take away their free will, right? They are human beings, and God gave them free will, and they're going to make choices in life. And ultimately, when it comes to their particular judgment, it's them and God. So as a parent, I always try to parent 
uh, my children to let them know that ultimately they are who they are Mm -hmm. and they have to make their own choices in life and those choices will have consequences. And so all I can do is I can love them, I can nourish them, I can give them guidance when they want guidance, um, but they're going to have to live their lives and they're going to have to um, know that, you know, it's not me, it's not mom, uh, and not even God is going to make those choices for them. So they need to choose wisely. I have to share something with you real quick because this whole idea that they have free will is hitting me really hard right this second because um, I haven't even told these guys this yet. I did get the news yesterday that my son is actually allergic to ants. And we live in Texas, by the way. Five weeks ago, they saved his life in the ER because he was suffocating of anaphylactic shock because 50 of them bit his head. And I kept thinking that has to do with the magnitude of it. And this is going to tie back to what you said in a second here. So then my wife tells me that after a conversation with the allergist and post all the tests today, it's confirmed he probably was always allergic to ants. And he's actually allergic to the point where an ant bite has what they called at this point a 50-50 chance of anaphylactic shock. An ant bite. Every one of my kids gets bit by an ant every month. And so now I was like processing this news. I literally wrote to my wife, I have no idea how to process this news. Like I walked into the break area here. Well, I see a guy who works for a company that, that our company works with, and I've coached him. And he goes, hey, man, how's it going? And I said, you want my honest answer? And he goes, yeah. And I go, I don't know. I actually have no idea how to process this. And I say to him what I just told you. And he said, well, God put you and I together right now for a reason. I grew up with the exact same setup for ants and especially bees, that there was a, a, a bee would sting me and it would smell like the smell of death immediately because I was going into an anaphylactic shock and a reaction, he said, so I want you to hear this. You can't put your kid in a bubble and our whole lives can be taken away from us or our kids can be taken away from us in a snap, but you have to trust God. And I was sitting there in the break room like, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, and this is heavy. And the way that he approached me, because this was not like some charismatic, it was just a fact, reminds me of this like, your kid is a human, that has a soul and, div- and their own free will, and you just have a role to play in ushering them in the right direction. And I bet there's a lot of people who are listening to this who've lost a kid in the womb, lost a kid in, in youth, in young adulthood, you know, outlived a kid in any way or you know, form or fashion. In fact, right after that, I walked by somebody else in this building, and their, their uh, coworker just lost uh, a kid in the womb today. And I just keep thinking like the fragility of you're not in control And that's okay because Job was pushed way further than us. Or in the time that we're recording this, and I I know this will still be the case when this comes out, think about what's happening to people around the world that are being massacred and kidnapped and having their entire lives change. And I'm dealing with problems of life. You know, how do I keep this kid alive with EpiPens or whatever? Um, So you nailed me with that one, my friend. Like free will and you're not in control of anything. So stop, yeah. stop living like that. One of the hardest things for me, I think, is I, there's a little book written by St. Robert Bellarmine called The Art of Dying Well. Mm. And the hardest part of that book, you know, he says you have to live well to die well. You can't prepare yourself for death, you know, on your deathbed. And if you are living well, you have no fear of dying at all. But he also says you need to detach from the world. So the, the art of dying well is detaching from everything but God. That includes 
your loved ones. Mm. And for me, I, I struggle. I have no meaning. They're literally like, I have no meaning in life. Like my wife and I are like, there's, there's no, and this is, this is disordered. This is not healthy, but sure. you know, in our world, like there is no bucket list. We're like, well, get our kids up to the point where they're self-sustaining and they're good contributing members of society. And like, whatever happens after that, we're good. Like, yeah. Hey, I just, I want to go meet my heavenly father. Um, but that's something, you know, when they experience pain, regardless of how small it is, you know, it's multiplied by a thousand in my heart. But that is not God's will. Yeah, it's just not, and it's it's the one thing that I uh, that I really I'm concerned about with my own soul because sure. that's something that I think we all it's an struggle with. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like your own death. Sorry to put these no. words in your mouth, but your own death. Okay, and I've I've felt that way for a decade. I feel very good about my own death. If it's on the drive home tonight, so be it. Ambrose, the four year old, getting bit by ants, and his death. I don't feel good about that. And so I don't have that trust at that level and I want to seek it. So, yeah. But you, you say it's an attachment and I'm not disagreeing with that, but just to also add kind of a different facet to it is that there is a very real way in which that's a participation in God's love for each one of us because we're all his children. So you, you say that you see your son get hurt and that that magnifies, you know, a thousand times for you. I don't think that's just an attachment issue. I mean, it, it might be partly. I'm not. I'm not your spiritual director, but I'm just saying that I think that there's a part of it that's a, a sign of how how much God loves us as well. That He feels that. I mean, that that's the message of the cross as well is that He's willing to offer His own Son, and His own Son is willing to be offered so that He can show forth the the amount, just the the raw magnitude of love that He has for how much each thing hurts us. Paul, if I may, just what you just described to me, this like, you know, it's almost like a visual or a model of like participation in that kind of love. It's how I understand our mother Mary. It's actually how I understand Christ in many ways, but especially Mary. And it's when my kids are so sick, so hurt, so deflated, almost to the point of exhaustion that they melt into my arms and allow me to just hold them. And it's like, you hate that they're suffering, but you see that they've given up and allowed you to just be in that moment, like their protector, their dad, their comforter, their 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 mantle, right? You, you're you're wrapped around them. And I tell my kids all the time, one of them had a nightmare last night and asked me, it was Ambrose, he's my everything. Ambrose asked me, can I go sit in my sister's bed and have them comfort me? And so we sat around. <laughs> I, actually, I had to call the girls up, come up here and comfort him. And we sat there and he wanted to be held. He wanted to be talked to. He's four years old. He wanted to be comforted. And I told all of them last night, this is what Mary wants you to do with her, to melt into her mm. holding comfort, loving mantle so that she's embracing you and you've given up. Like you don't have the tenseness in your muscles. You don't have the, the I can handle anything, you know, whatever it is, bravado, and you just give into it. And so to your point, Paul, I think is – like that love of kid makes me understand the love that I've had around me my whole life mm. that I haven't necessarily been able to contextualize until I felt somebody melted. You know, like, yeah, you can feel it with a spouse, you can feel it with whoever, but like that level of trust that you're, it's not just a hug, it's a complete letting go of. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I got Chad. pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Heavy, bro. <laughs> There's that word again. <laughs> Sorry. Is that from? It's from Back to the Future. I thought so. 
What is there a problem in the future with the Earth's gravitational pull? <laughs> Heavy duck. <laughs> Grew up on those movies. That's every time I hear that word. Anyway, I love it. Uh, okay, um, how would you rate yourself as a father, there, Chad? Are we are we going back to the the, the wine, wine? The wine rating. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's one to ten or a C. A C that's a B. You better watch the last episode so you know what the rating yeah, scale it, it is. A C is just a C, just average, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, we, once again, we I got the C was a B. It's not a it's not a fail. I go back to forgive me. Um, yeah. That that's that's the uh, how I rate myself as a father. Um, this might be clickbait, but I think uh, every everything yeah, we've done here is the, you saying. I think the title of this whole episode is forgive me or the last one and people are like forgive me for what well for everything <laughs> parentheses how i rate myself as a father <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of I, I refused to answer the question if you noticed that it was exactly. very very uh, well like I'm, I'm a legislator um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Yeah. no so uh let me ask you this um the youngest right now is tw- almost 12 almost 12 and um <laughs> I, i'm actually asking you this in like humility how are how do you transition into being an old dad? You're you're an old dad like me. No, okay. You need hobbies. Okay. Because they don't they they hit a point where they don't want you around <laughs> unless they need something. Microphones so are it, a it hobby. very yeah. it very quickly goes from um, your life is their life. Like that, that's mm. all. It's 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 carting around. Like we weren't a big sports family. None of my kids really wanted to play sports. We we tried that for a while, and it was like, why are we forcing them to play sports? They didn't even want to play. Uh, you know, so they all kind of picked an instrument. They're so they're very musical. Um, so the good news is we didn't we didn't give up every weekend to cart our kids around to you know club soccer or baseball mm-hmm. or anything like that. So when they, it, it was a very um, gradual. All of a sudden, you know. I find myself watching college football from 9 a.m. until 12 p.m. on a Saturday, realizing that, wait a minute, my kids don't want to hang out with me anymore. Yeah. How did this happen? Uh, but once again, it goes back to hobbies. Like, I love woodworking, so I do a lot of woodworking. I picked up an instrument. I love to read. I like to write. So it, it kind of goes back to where we started the segment, which was you can't define yourself by mm-hmm. your your children, and even though I that's what I do, I know it's extremely unhealthy. I mean, my wife and I, I don't know if this is typical, but we rarely go on a date night. When we do, we don't know what to talk about because we say, hey, here's the ground rules. We can't talk about the kids when we go out on a <laughs> date. And then we kind of just sit there in awkward silence, you know, and we're approaching that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, within the next, you know, six years or so, yeah. our youngest will age out, so to speak, and go off to college. And you know, so that, that that's that's my long-winded answer is you gotta you've got to be you, and you have you have to have a a life outside of work because that will eventually yeah. end. You have to have life outside of being a, a a parent to young children. You'll never quit being a parent, um, but you have to have a way to occupy yourself in a healthy manner. Yeah. I think. Well, and I, if I may, the next time you go on a date and I don't talk, <laughs> just turn this on. No. <laughs> good. Okay, uh, I'm we, not being we, helpful at all. I, I okay. don't know that we want more kids. There um, you go. <laughs> I okay. can't say that. I'm open to life at yes, all times. Yes, you are. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, we're just reaching that stage. Uh, two questions. One, that's this is the most serious thing I could ever ask you. Why did you reach out to us about being on the Beatitudes? What What do you think was stirring inside of you about like, this is it? I'm going there. 
Holy Spirit. I, I said yeah. it before I even knew what I was, why I said it. I find that not questioning the Holy Spirit is the answer to all of the greatest parts of my life. Just go. Very good. Um, okay, and then uh, is there any sort of a closing, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, going through this oblate process, is there any sort of a blessing or a prayer or something that's your go-to, or even if you want to free form it, any blessing you can you can pray for us and for everybody that's here, or even it's something you could share that's like the words of wisdom from from uh, our, our man Benedict that uh, we can, g- we can par- and depart on these folks as they, as they listen to the last part here. Yeah, so um, I think this is a very powerful prayer. People should pray this all the time. And if you've ever prayed any of the Liturgy of the Hours, this will be very familiar to you. But God, come to my assistance. Lord, Lord make haste, haste to help me. me. You know, so I think we always think of, you know, glory be and stuff like that. Nobody really thinks of that one, but that's something that we should all be praying at all times before we work, after doing something, before retiring, uh, before you start praying, just pray, God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. All right. Well, we will uh, make haste to begin praying that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I'm not going to come to your assistance on that one. (laughs) Womp womp. I'll I'll make haste. There we go. All right, well, make haste while the sun shines. We will um, look forward to continuing to watch your journey and celebrating when you actually have your ceremony, which is going to be a big deal. I know that you've been just trying to work out the mechanics of this. we got to buy more companies, all this stuff, if people <laughs> listen to the, the last episode. But the process of you joining as an oblate in the Benedictine order, if I'm saying this right, I feel like I butcher everything, uh, we will celebrate that with you and for the rest of you, We'll celebrate the next time that we see you in the Eucharist. God bless you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us at our undersized table, subscribe to the video version of the show on YouTube by typing at, that's the symbol at, so shift and two on your keyboard, at the underscore Beatitudes on YouTube. We'll see you there. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.